Amen. Let us turn then to our confessional reading, Lord's Day 29, page 232, in the Smaller Forms and Prayers book. And a number of longer question and answers around here, but these two are uh, more manageable than some on either side. So let's, uh, let's together say the answers for 78 and 79, and I'll read the questions. Page 232 in the Forms and Prayers, Lord's Day 29, beginning with question 78. Do the bread and wine become the real body and blood of Christ? No, just as the water of baptism is not changed into Christ's blood, and does not itself wash away sins, but is simply a divine sign and assurance of these things, so too the holy bread of the Lord's Supper does not become the body of Christ itself, even though it is called the body of Christ, in keeping with the nature and language of sacraments. 79. Why then does Christ call the bread his body and the cup his blood, or the new covenant in his blood? And Paul used the words, a participation in Christ's body and blood. Christ has good reason for these words. He wants to teach us that, just as bread and wine nourish the temporal life, so too his crucified body and poured out blood are the true food and drink of our souls for eternal life. But more important, he wants to assure us by this visible sign and pledge that we, through the Holy Spirit's work, share in his true body and blood as surely as our mouths receive these holy signs in his remembrance, and that all of his suffering and obedience are as definitely ours as if we personally had suffered and made satisfaction for our sins. So far the confession that we hold in common, let's turn now to the very word of God, Matthew chapter 26, page 1057. And we'll be reading, considering Matthew 26, verses 26. 29. Let us hear the word of God. Matthew 26, beginning at verse 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, 
For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So far, the reading, the grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our Lord endures forever. Dear brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Hebrew day begins at sunset. And on this uh, Passover day, back at verse 19, as the disciples did, as Jesus directed them, they prepared the Passover. On this Passover day, uh, just begun, the sun has gone down not too long before, the uh, blood has been shed in Jerusalem. The Lambs have been sacrificed. The blood is flowing. And now the meal has been eaten. The Passover meal has been consumed. And we read in Matthew 26, 26. Now, as they were eating, we know from the account of Luke and from the words of the Apostle Paul that this was after the supper. In other words, when we when we put that together, it's, it's like the last few disciples are are just finishing their meal, just eating the last little bit. And as the, as the Passover meal is finishing, Jesus institutes the new supper. And so on this same day, we have the spilling of blood. We have the last Passover meal. We have the first Lord's Supper meal. And the Hebrew day is sunset to sunset. What will happen before the sun sets again? This is the day that Christ will die, that His blood will be poured out. By the end of this day, the veil of the temple will be torn. This is especially the day when the old gives way to the new. This is the day when Jesus Christ dies on the cross for sinners. And so, here we look at this crucial day in the history of the world. This crucial turning point for all people. How do we consider this day? And how does the Lord's Supper help us to consider this day? The Lord's Supper, which Lord willing, we celebrate next Sunday morning. Our theme tonight then is this, believe in Christ who instituted the sign of his death on the day of his death. We're going to look first at the language of sacraments, that's verses 26 and 27 and then into 28 a little bit, and then the blood of the covenant, verse 28, and then the future fellowship, verse 29. Well, Jesus takes the bread Probably unleavened bread, but what matters is that it was bread. There's a number of individual grains all ground together. Jesus says, take, eat, take, eat. And as it uh, has been uh, pointed out, this is, uh, this, is a, uh, this is a radical break from the Passover ceremonies and, and patterns and words and prayers and hymns. Uh, everything up to this point was, was probably familiar. There they are. They're in the upper room. They're, they're eating the Passover supper. And after that supper, now, is there, now there is this 
complete break. There is this something completely new. A change comes. Jesus is doing something new. He's instituting something new. And then he uh, takes the the, uh, fruit of the vine and he says, this is my body. And into verse 28, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, brothers and sisters, what is the language of sacraments? The language of Old Testament sacraments and the language of New Testament sacraments. What does the catechism mean when it uh, speaks about the institution of the supper by our Lord himself being an institution which is, uh, here's from the end of question and answer 78, in keeping with the nature and language of sacraments. Well, let's consider two ways that that this is true. Jesus is keeping with the nature and language of sacraments, at least in these two ways. First, sacramental language includes symbolic language. That is the first way that Jesus is keeping with the nature and language of sacraments. Without working through all of the historical views, transubstantiation and consubstantiation, let us just say it is very sad that so often in the history of the church, this simple truth has been missed. Sacramental language is often including symbolic language. That's part of how Jesus is keeping with the nature and language of sacraments. Sacraments are signs. That's what they are plainly and directly called more than once, including the Passover in Exodus 12. This is a sign for you. And we know that a sign is not the same thing as the reality. We know that a picture, a picture and sign being two closely related words, a picture is just not the same thing as the reality. We have a sign right out there, and it says, Boo all the drive. And that's helpful. It points us in the right direction. It tells us where we are. But the sign is not the same thing as the road. You cannot drive your car on the sign. You drive your car on the road. This is, this is we know this. We we think of uh, we think of pictures. You, you 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 someone's trying to know if they've ever met your mother, and you pull up a a picture of your mother on your phone, and you and you show it to that person. Well, nobody would ever say, well, wow, that that picture gave birth to you. No, no, that's a picture of my mother. That is not my mother. This should be this should be so uh, simple and and plain. Sacraments are signs in keeping with sacramental language. Jesus says, this is my body. This is my blood. And then again, those signs and pictures, they are helpful. Maybe you didn't need to look at the sign, you know, Buwalda Drive to know that you were turning onto the right road. And maybe with Google Maps and everything, you don't look at road signs all that much at all, no matter where you are. But, but sometimes it's really important to see the sign and know, here it is, I am on the right road. And the picture of your mother uh, may be helpful. Yes, I recognize her. 
signs and pictures. They are not realities, but they are helpful for us. Question answer 78, speaking about the, the nature of the language of sacraments. The sign is not the reality. So too, the Holy Bread of the Lord's Supper does not become the body of Christ itself. Signs are helpful, but they do have limitations. And now the sign of the Lord's Supper, much more powerfully than pointing us on to the right road, although that is that is something powerful. Again, maybe maybe we lose this a little bit because if you're directionally challenged like me, you can depend upon things like Google Maps nowadays. But I'm just old enough that I started driving before Google Maps, and I still remember a couple of times in my life when I was lost and I was looking for the right road, and I was very glad to find the road sign that said I was on the right road. I found it. I know how to get home now. Well, what is the sign of the Lord's Supper? Where does it point us? This is, this is Christ. This takes us to the cross. This takes us to the place of salvation. What a joy to see it, to know where we are, to know where the sacrament takes us. And then the sacraments are not just signs. There are no ordinary signs. They're sacramental signs. And as sacramental signs, they are also seals. They are signs and seals. And the word sign is closely related to the word picture. The word seal is closely related to the word promise. Sacraments are signs and seals. Sacraments are pictures and promises. And so here is the second way that Jesus is keeping with the nature and language of sacraments. Jesus uses the language of promise. Sacramental language from the Old Testament to the New Testament includes language of promise. And so Jesus uses the words of promise poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Various Old Testament sacrifices, especially on the Day of Atonement had a very similar declaration. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 30. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. And what a precious seal. What a precious promise. Jesus is keeping with the language of sacraments. He speaks about what they are sealing, what they are promising, what they are talking to us about but also in keeping with the nature and language of sacraments, we know that the promise of a sacramental sign does not mean that everybody who takes it will be absolutely saved. You must receive it by faith. And here on the very first Lord's Supper, that is, that is plainly seen. Because who is one of the very first people, one of the first 12 people to ever receive the Lord's Supper? His name was Judas Iscariot. And he takes the supper as one of the very first recipients, even as he very shortly after that departs from the fellowship and seeks the 30 pieces of silver. And so this is a valuable sign and seal, 
But going again to question and answer 78, the water of baptism is not changed into Christ's blood and does not itself wash away sins. Jesus is keeping with the nature and language of sacraments. But now let's come and really kind of zoom in more on the promise and on especially the, the phrase, the blood of the covenant. Let's come to our second point. Because even as the sacrament itself does not grant salvation, by faith, and when received with faith, it does nourish. It does refresh. The wine is a sacramental sign and seal, a sacramental picture and promise of the blood of Christ poured out for our sins. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But when there is the shedding of blood, so closely related to the words of Jesus Himself when He instituted this supper, my blood poured out for. And again, we're not just talking about you know, you, uh, you're, 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 pricking a, you're pricking a thumb to get a little bit of blood. That Those phrases, shedding of blood, pouring out of blood, those are phrases related to blood poured out to death. And when we think about the blood of the covenant of Christ, when we think about the blood of Christ in His death, which happened on this same day, the day that He instituted the sign of His death, that is the blood that saves. It is the blood that saves. It is the blood that gives forgiveness of sins. Here it is. And God wants us to have the picture, the promise, and by faith we are nourished. It takes us to the cross. It takes us to that one place we must come. We must look. This is the blood of the covenant. This is the blood that pays for sins. Let's consider then two powerful lessons from Passover. The, the connection between the Passover and the Lord's Supper is not as immediate as, uh, as the other sacramental connection, but it is, it is here. This is after the Supper, after the Passover meal, we have the institution of the Lord's Supper. And so let's consider two powerful, vivid ways that the Passover teaches us this. First, when we think about the Passover, and especially the first Passover, we learn about the penalty of sin. We learn about God justly bringing the punishment of death. What is the first Passover? Any house that does not take sacrificial blood of an unblemished sacrifice and paint it on the doorposts, then all the firstborn will be killed. What a immediate reminder, reality of the judgment of sin. 
That's the first Passover. The first Passover shows us the penalty of sin. But then Passover, and especially the first Passover, shows us the protection of or from that penalty. Because every house which did have blood on the doorpost, the blood of the unblemished first Passover sacrifices, that home was safe. The angel of death passed over. There is no death. Even though, even though all our sinners alike, all Egyptians and all Israelites, where there is blood, there is protection. So sin does deserve death. But by the death of Christ, we are protected. We are passed over. The penalty of sin is lifted off. That's the basic meaning of forgiveness. It's lifted away. It's taken away. The penalty is gone. In Christ's blood, we are protected. We are safe. Yes, we must repent of our sins. Yes, God can justly send the angel of death. But yes, as we repent of our sins and as we go to the blood of the covenant poured out, there is forgiveness of sins. Christ is our Passover lamb who has been sacrificed. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7. And so there's no longer the old ceremonies. There's no longer a ceremony that includes the shedding of blood anymore. We have two ceremonies and there is no blood to be spilled anymore because the blood has been spilled. It was spilled this day. It was spilled the day that the Lord's Supper was instituted. Christ was scourged. The crown of thorns was crushed into his head. The nails pierced his hands and his feet. And his poured out blood forgives sinners protects sinners who trust in him. And so, brothers and sisters, there's, there is balance in the catechism. We might say, broadly speaking, that question and answer 78 focuses on the, the limitations of the ceremony. The ceremony itself does not change. Christ is keeping with the nature and language of the sacraments. But then the emphasis of 79 is on the assurance. And remember, always remember, that the question and answers of the Heidelberg Catechism are the question and answers of believers. This is, this is the words that 
that God's people can say by faith. And so by faith, as believers, what is our what is our answer? Well, yes, the ceremony doesn't save. We we know the nature of the language of sacraments, but but it is sacramental. It is that supper which was instituted by our Savior on that day that he did pour out his blood for us sinners. And so by faith, we say, why does Christ call the bread and, and his body and the, the cup his blood or the new covenant his blood? Christ has good reason for these words. He wants to teach us that just as bread and wine nourish the temporal life so too his crucified body and poured out blood are the true food and drink of our souls for eternal life. But more important, he wants to assure us. These are as definitely ours as if we personally had suffered and made satisfaction for our sins. Come, come, come to the Lord's table. It points us to the one place we must go. It is the sign that takes us to the cross. Come, come to the Lord's table by faith. You are nourished by faith. Christ died for all who trust in him. Jesus spoke of his blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The blood of Jesus is not poured out for all. The blood of Jesus is not poured out for a few. The blood of Jesus is poured out for many. By faith, are you of that many? Are you like 11 of those first 12 who received, are you truly nourished as you come? If you have not made profession, do you trust in Jesus Christ? Make profession. Come and be nourished. And then brothers and sisters, as as wonderful as the Lord's Supper is, it's not the best supper. And that's our third point. The future fellowship. Know this. For all who partake of the Lord's Supper, even partaking of it by true faith, receiving that real nourishment for your souls, there's still a better supper yet to come. On the night of the last Passover, the first Lord's Supper, Jesus Christ also plainly prophesied of the future wedding feast of the Lamb. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when... I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. That's the wedding feast of the Lamb. Uh, Children, 
uh, little boys and girls, do you know good, better, best? Do you know the difference? Well, what is good? The Passover was good. We shouldn't do the Passover anymore. But the Passover was good. It was looking forward to Christ, the Passover lamb. What's better and what should we do now? The Lord's Supper is even better. And it points us back to what has been accomplished. But when there's good and better, there can yet be best. And what is best? The marriage supper of the Lamb, which has not yet happened, but it will. And God takes all of his people from every tribe and tongue to celebrate together the wedding feast of the Lamb. Let's uh, turn to uh, two different texts. We'll begin with a few verses from Isaiah, and then we'll go to a few verses from Revelation. Because Jesus doesn't use the exact words, wedding feast of the Lamb, but when he speaks about taking of the fruit of the vine in with you in my Father's kingdom, well, he's speaking about that best meal which is to come. Isaiah chapter 25 also speaks of that meal. Again, the name, the name, wedding feast of the Lamb, is not yet used, but Isaiah speaks about the best meal in the Father's kingdom with these words. Isaiah chapter 25, beginning at verse 6. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of morrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations, He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And then, brothers and sisters, a few more verses. And now we will see the name, the wedding feast of the Lamb. Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 9. Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 9. Revelation 19, verse 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory For the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. It is granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, 
bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Oh, brothers and sisters, there there was a good meal. There is a better meal that we have now, but there is a best meal, which is yet to come. And in a few moments, Christ went from participating in one to instituting the other, to prophesying the last. And on that day, he gave his blood to fulfill it all. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, our Lord, bring us, bring us to to the better supper you give us now.